welcome back to the Good Catholic Women After Dark podcast. This is um, a new person you're meeting tonight. My name is Samantha, um, and we have Lauren and Siobhan with us also tonight. And um, I don't think you guys have met any of us before. We're all new to the podcast. Um, So tonight we're just going to kind of go into backgrounds about ourselves and um, kind of how we became Catholic, I think, just a little bit. And then our big topic for tonight is NFP. So for uh, natural family planning for those that don't know what NFP stands for. Um, So I'll just go ahead and start. My name is Samantha. Um, I'm a mother of five. I've been married to my husband for, I forget, sometimes. (laughs) Well, it's hard because we got married in the courthouse first and then got married in a church later, in the church later. So um, I think it's eight years in the courthouse and then six years in the church. Um, And I am kind of a cradle Catholic, but I consider myself a revert because I was away from the church for... Um, at least four or five years before I came back um, and came back through the process of actually like marriage prep. Uh, After we got married in the courthouse, we decided to get married in the church and our diocese just has like really, really good marriage prep. I think anyways, uh, one of the like best marriage prep programs and through the whole process, um, I came back to the church and my husband converted, actually. Yeah. So whoever wants to go oh, wow. next. Uh, Lauren? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, um, well, I'm, I'm Lauren. And gosh, we have like such a similar st- like background. So um, I am I'm only a mother of one <laughs> so far. And I, I think I'm the greenest uh, mom in our in our little group. Um, but, uh, my husband and I have been married, let me think, it'll be, I think it's seven and a half years. I'm doing math. Yes. Um, (laughs) so it'll be eight years this fall. And then, um, it's been just over two years in the church because, um, same kind of situation. I grew up Catholic, but then kind of. I don't know, my, our family sort of had a falling out with the priest at our church and then we kind of just stopped going. So rather than finding like a different parish, we just stopped. Just stopped. And then, yeah. And then, um, I would say like in college, I kind of dabbled with the like non-denominational stuff that was around campus and it just never fit, you Mm -hmm. know, it just never felt like home, like the Catholic church did. And then, Fast forward to, again, math, two years ago. Um, (laughs) Well, yeah, no, longer than that, two and a half years ago or so. um, A colleague, um, we were just chatting and I, in a roundabout way, found out she was Catholic. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm Catholic. I guess I had always considered myself Catholic, but I never got confirmed. And so then um, she was like, well, actually, I've been looking at, just kind of joining in on the RCIA stuff this fall and it starts in a week. What would you say about me sponsoring you to get you confirmed? And I was like, yes, let's do this. And so then 
um, in that process, oh, my husband and I, um, we got married, <laughs> which was really kind of awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got confirmed uh, the following Easter. So it would have been Easter of 17. So, yeah. So kind of the same thing. I, a revert, I guess you would call yeah. it. See, and mine was like later. I got confirmed in everything. Um, but it was kind of like after confirmation, there was nothing other than just I had to go to mass while I lived in my parents' house. But then as soon as I got out of my parents' house, I was like, I am done with this. This is stupid. Like, I had no interest for at least, you know, like I said, a couple years. And then, yeah, through the marriage prep process, it was just kind of like things that I, it felt like, I felt like robbed of like these things that I had never learned, you know? Yes. It's like I went to Catholic school for my whole entire life. How did I not get taught these things? And so... Yeah, that was frustrating for me. Well, I will go ahead and and introduce myself here. (laughs) My background is really different. (laughs) Um, I I shouldn't say really because not not that far. Um, But um, I was a cradle. I am a cradle Catholic. And uh, my name is, I should say, my name is Siobhan Gallagher. Um, I'm a mother of two. And it feels like more than <laughs> two all the time. <laughs> no, but I'm not laughing, laughing at you. At I'm laughing like, with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so, uh, but I'm a cradle Catholic and um, my family was very much like the deep down homeschooling. We went to mass every day. Um we did the rosary every day, like everything you could, all the trappings, all the time. Um, and I never really, I can't say that I, I ever have left the church or, or ever habitually did not go to mass or anything like that. But um, as I've gotten older, it's actually gotten a lot harder. And I think I'm actually struggling more now than I have previously ever. Um and I think a, a lot of the the relation with the church has played a huge role in that, and, um, and it's kind of been kind of a, a compounding effect of well, there's stuff that happened in the mm-hmm. early 2000s that came out, and um, I was in Regnum Christi, and they've had endless amounts of problems, and so that took a, another hit to my uh, confidence in the church, and then McCarrick, et cetera. Um, news and everything that's followed from that um, has just been kind of chipping away at my ability to stand firm in in my faith and it's kind of for the first time in my life I'm kind of at a point where I'm not comfortable telling people that I'm Catholic unless I really you know I'm afraid of what they're gonna think of me right off the bat like if they don't know who I am or what I um, you know how I, I conduct myself like I just don't it's not, it's not the first impression I want to give yeah. people anymore. And it used to be, it used to be a very large part of my identity and um, it's, it's struggling to stay that way. So um, anyway, it's, it's complicated by the fact that, you know, when I didn't have kids, it, it didn't matter as much because I could kind of deal with my own ups and downs on it and in private. And 
um, come out on the other side and not really affect anybody. But kids, I'm struggling to, okay, how do I, how do I teach these kids, even though they're very little, how do I teach these kids to follow a faith that I'm not super yeah. gung-ho mm-hmm. about? Um, no, I, so I'm I trying to sort that it. out and... Uh, I understand yeah. what you what you said about like not wanting that to be people's first impression of you. Like, I I like we live in a culture where I'm afraid like to tell people that I'm Catholic sometimes just because I think that they're gonna think that I'm one of those like crazy like Trump right wing Catholics. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, yes. that too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> like, like there's so many ba- so much baggage yeah. attached to it now. It's just kind of crazy. Uh, maybe that uh, there's the argument that that's never not had problems as far as, um, you know, people in the church being yeah. corrupt and, and clerics in the church being corrupt. There is that, but I feel like it's very front and center right now, whereas before at least people didn't know about it. So you weren't lumped in with mm-hmm. that kind of a, yeah. An impression. I don't know. It's more in your face. Of course, it's also it's way more in your face. Yeah. And I think it's difficult to like talk to people and try to explain to them, well, like I feel the same way you do about this. Like I'm just as yeah. upset as you are. And they're like, no, you're on their side. And it's like, no, I'm not on any terrible human being's side just because they share the same religion that I do, you know? Right. Yeah. I, I have such a hard time like arguing in support of the church because I feel like because I'm so new to being like truly Catholic, if that, I don't know if if that's like a bad way to think about it, but I just never felt like, I don't know the details, you know, from the gap in time where I wasn't going. And that was a pretty long, large gap, you know, I would say like probably at least years I'm trying to think of how old because it was like right before I would have gotten confirmed as a kid and then I don't want to reveal my age but I am (laughs) in my 30s and so you know I I went a long time without um really being a regular attending mass kind of person so yeah and so it takes a while to like relearn all the things that I mean that's understandable especially when you're like an adult and now you have a job and a husband and a kid it's like I don't have time yeah. to just sit here and study like yeah <laughs> yeah so do we want to go ahead unless we want to talk a little bit more about our uh family life situations um just to kind of give an intro into like NFP use um so personally my husband and I like I said we I well I had a son first when I met my husband um because as I said I was living outside the church I was living in a really like risky lifestyle to be pretty frank about the situation um and I met my husband and then we reverted converted had four more children um I stayed at home a lot of the time, but kind of had odd jobs here and there. And now I finally have like my stable teaching job. Um, But NFP first got introduced into my life. Actually, when I was a senior in high school, we got a brand new priest. We had had the same priest at the high school forever. 
And he was a nice enough guy, but he just kind of was like flowers and roses. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Jesus loves you. <laughs> and that was like yeah. the extent of it. <laughs> yeah. And you, yeah. And yeah, you roll your eyes like, and you're I like, okay. It. He loves me. And <laughs> so um, we get I hear this. You, geez. <laughs> yeah. And so we get this new priest and he's like this young, like gung ho, loud crazy but very like traditional you know these new priests that I feel like are coming out of seminary are just like not traditional in a way where like oh you have to go to the Latin mass but just like no like this there's like reverence and holiness and like this is a serious thing you know your faith isn't like hokey and cheesy you know like it had been before and so he actually taught us like kind of the basics of NF, like an NFP class as seniors. And I just remember sitting there thinking like, this guy is so full of crap. Like this would never work for anybody. Like <laughs> there's no way you can do this. Nobody does this. This is so stupid. And so that was my first, just like the first time I had heard of NFP. Um, and then I. That's really interesting was a priest teaching the class well, yeah I, I mean he was actually that. he was a nurse before he became a priest and so he, awesome. they like certified oh, wow. him in the Creighton method actually <laughs> yeah <That's awesome>. wow <laughs> it was That's so really weird different. and so yeah and now he has like an education degree and like a master's in education so he's like first he was a nurse now he's like a priest and an educator he's just like all over the map but um Yeah. So, but then I didn't hear anything about it again, you know, until we go through marriage prep and they're like, yeah, you have to go take this NFP class. And again, I'm just like, this is never going to work. This is so stupid. (laughs) Um, But at our marriage prep weekend, we had a couple that got up there and talked about NFP and it kind of like moved me, um, their testimony about how difficult it was for them. They were like more real about it. You know, obviously a priest doesn't know NFP in practice. He just knows like the logistics of it. Um, And so to see an actual couple talk about how, you know, the difficulty is and it kind of moved me. And so when we left the marriage weekend, it was like, it was like two days where you had to, you know, go all day long type of a deal. Um, I just, you know, turned to Travis and I was like, I really want to just try this out, <laughs> you know? And I was like, and we can even, I mean, I think if we're going to be real, I was, I told him, you know, we can even just use condoms, you know, but like, at least I'll try, you know, to, yeah. Be at least you can be charting like, and we yeah. so far away from church teaching at the time. But I was like, we'll use right. condoms and I'll just chart, you know, I'll chart. Um, and that's how it started. And then eventually it evolved into like, well, we shouldn't use condoms anymore, but we'll still do, you know, other things. <laughs> like maybe when we, sh- you know, you have the seed being spilled outside of the whole, I don't know what they call that, yeah. like the technical term for it. But, and so it just like kind of evolved little by little, like, okay, well now we're not going to do this. And now we're not going to do this. And eventually like years down the road by the time we had like three kids we finally were like okay I think we really <laughs> need to do NFP like do real yeah <laughs> like comfortable. if this is yeah. the truth and if this is like what the church teaches there's no excuse for us to like 
not be doing it anymore, you know? And so we finally like really committed to it. And then we had two more babies, (laughs) (laughs) which like, I mean, Siobhan will probably talk about this more, but they definitely weren't planned. (laughs) Um, Charlotte was probably a little more just like, we weren't paying attention to what we were doing, but Edith was very much like she, I mean, I don't think she's technically a method failure, but she's pretty close. (laughs) And I'm sorry, you probably said this and I just blanked on it, but what method do you use? Well, now we use Marquette, but that very first class we took was a symptothermal class. And that's the method we like tried so hard to use because it's cheap, you know, like you don't really need anything and it just didn't work for us. So after we had um, Charlotte, actually, we went to Marquette method, which she's our fourth. Yeah, the fourth. And then the fifth is Edith. She's your fourth. Okay, And Edith was just like, I ovulated a very long time after (laughs) Um, the last time, you know, being together, but I mean, she held on. So (laughs) I told my husband that we need to have like the Jurassic park quote, life finds a way somewhere in our house and we'll, we'll, we'll get nobody else. Yeah. Weird to anybody else. (laughs) Oh, yeah, now man. that I now that I'm like really comfortable with Marquette method, I'm actually I'm not saying it doesn't suck because obviously there are times when it just sucks, but I at least know what I'm doing. <laughs> like I felt I feel like for the first time in like however long it's been now, I actually know what I'm doing, which it's been right, I don't know, 6 years and I just figured it out. <laughs> wow. So, Siobhan, if you want to, like, go into your story a little bit. Yeah. Um, so we – I'm trying to even think where I heard about NFP the first time. Like I said, I came from a, a really conservative um, Catholic background, and it was I'm, – I'm fairly certain that I heard about it pretty young. Um, in fact, I think my mother had – I think it's a couple of couple league book called the – art of natural family planning it's like an old book um but anyway I remember opening it at one point when I was mm-hmm. young like middle school because I was I'm, I'm like a super type a super organized at least ideally super organized and I saw this natural family planning book and I was like oh it's a planner <laughs> book and I thought it was I'm gonna write down my class homework <laughs> <laughs> yeah like oh this is kind of cool I've never seen this before opened it up and I was like something's weird about that this is not what I like shut it and like threw it away I was like I don't know what this is I'm just not gonna (laughs) pretend I didn't see that um and so that was probably my introduction to NFP but um I I definitely grew up in a a culture of you use NFP for very 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 dire situations like one of the spouses has cancer things like that like somebody's dying you have no way to feed your family like at all you're in a shelter things like that like very dire situations otherwise you just kind of 
plan for what God allows to happen. And yeah, and it's, it was very so did you? And, sorry you know, to interrupt you, but did you have a, a lot of siblings? That sorry, God. Yeah. You do? Okay. I do. Okay. I have four younger siblings. <laughs> um, there would have been more, but my parents divorced oh, okay. when the youngest was six oh. months old. <laughs> um, yeah. So my mother has always said that she like wanted 10 kids, but you know, obviously the marriage didn't work out. So that puts yeah. a damper on how many kids you have. Um, but that we are all, I was nine when the youngest was born. So we're, mm-hmm. you know, two years apart ish. Um, but um, yeah, as far as I, I am aware using NFP to avoid pregnancies or space pregnancies wasn't really a thing. My mother was a um, exclusive breastfeeder. So, um, you know, that's probably the incidental Mm -hmm. spacing that they got. Uh, But yeah, so that was, that was the culture that I, I understood NFP within um, that it was basically contraception for Catholics and you used it if you really, really had to, because it was the church's way of allowing you to do something ethical to, um, deal with a very extraordinary situation. Um, it wasn't to be used for things like, and these were the, the examples that were brought up. You weren't supposed to use it for like to work kids around your career plans or to work kids around, you know, minor financial difficulties. Like you just kind of sucked it up and found a way to deal with Ugh. that God would provide if you yeah. had another kid when you weren't really, which is such a toxic, really I mean, I don't mean to like um, lay into your family, but like the yeah. whole general idea is, is such no, a- no, <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind of what I'm building up to is that it wasn't true it was a real yeah. big relief for me um, but but that's just what I thought it was it was the only way I yeah. heard about it at all um, was that it was just kind of this out for Catholics when everything else was falling apart um, and that if you did have like um, you wanted to, to wait until you had a bigger house or you wanted to wait until you had a bigger job or you finished school, that you waited to mm. get married for those things. You didn't get married before you couldn't, or say couldn't in quotations, before you didn't really want to have kids. Um, because once you got married, um, cultural context in which I, I understood NFP going into um, adulthood, coming out of high school, like I said, I was homeschooled, so I didn't really have a whole lot of other influences other than my family um, pushing these sorts of ideas. Um, and then I uh, met my husband in college and we dated for uh, four and a half years and started learning NFP when I think at some point I had gotten probably through some of the on the Facebook Catholic women's groups and stuff. I had um, heard more about NFP through there and realized that the ideas that I had that I'd grown up with weren't actually what the church taught. Um, it was, it was more left up to the discretion of the couple, how they wanted to, to plan their families and that it wasn't a, it wasn't a contraception or a contraceptive mentality to use NFP for what you needed to use it for. Um, so when we were engaged, I, um, had done a little bit of research cause we were, I mean, that when you start, when you're dating for four and a half years, you just yeah. kind of start expecting to get engaged. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, so it's like, well, okay, I'll start looking at this stuff. And uh, when we, we did get engaged, I, we joined a, a Creighton class because I um, had, at least in my own research, had determined that 
Creighton was the only method that actually had any sort of medical background, or at yeah. least that's how Creighton sells itself. Um, is that they're the ones that are integrated with NAPRO. And if you have a problem, um, gynecological problems or fertility problems that you want to be seen by a doctor, that you really need to be using this method to take advantage of the NAPRO treatments. And I didn't have any known medical issues, but I was like, why would I want to switch? I might as well just start with the method that's going to be the most complete. And, you know, that way, if I need it, I need it. And if I don't, mm -hmm. yeah, I have this great method. Um, so that's what we started with. Um, <laughs> it didn't work for me <laughs> at all. We actually, start, I started charting right away when, when we took the class and we were engaged for about nine months. Um, so I had nine months of charting behind me before we were sexually active at all. And uh, when we got married, it, I already knew that I was having problems with the method because I was never able to identify my ovulation in any of the cycles or I would think that I had, and then I would take it back into the instructor for the regular follow-ups and they'd be like, no, your actual ovulation date is this other day. And I was like, well, screw that. So it was, it was yeah. problematic from the beginning um, because Creighton is a uh, pure mucus observation method. And I just didn't have, I was following all the rules. And I mean, I'm, I was a biology major and I knew how to employ a protocol and I was like okay I've got this this is no big deal but I just wasn't seeing the patterns in the charts that they were yeah. telling me that I was supposed to be seeing and, um, so they ended up referring me to NAPRO treatment before we even got married I around the same time and uh, they started NAPRO doctor started me on hormone treatments because of supposed cycle and things like that and um, it was just this whole big thing and I'd never thought that I'd had any cycle problems. Like I was, I had fairly regular periods. I wasn't sick. I wasn't in, um, so I was, I was going through NAPRO treatments pretty early in our, our marriage and trying to figure out how to regulate my cycle according to the charts. And, um, a year and a half in to the, we got pregnant unexpectedly and I still don't really know what happened. Um, but I was never able to, to regulate those charts, even though I was following everything that two instructors and a NAPRO physician. Wow, that's like crazy that, yeah, it was really stressful <laughs> um, because you, you expect to do everything right and yeah. that you should get the results that you have and. Um, when they, when you take the class, they tell you, oh, anybody can do this method. It doesn't matter if you have cycle issues, you can chart around that. You can still identify your ovulation and use it, um, and use the method according to your particular body and all of that stuff. And that just never <laughs> really materialized, uh, for us. So there was, there was a lot of crying and a lot of like through the whole, the whole charting experience that I had, not just with the pregnancy, but there was a lot of, you know, angst about this because I was like, what am I doing wrong? Am I broken? And now I'm doing shots with hormones in them and I'm not yeah. really convinced that I need them. And um, that was really hard. Um, it wasn't the empowering marriage building NFP that I'd heard so much about. And that was kind of a, a little bit of a shock because, you know, you, you hear this, you hear all these stories from other couples about how it made their marriage better and, um, 
I'm kind of, I kind of lean feminist. So the whole, you know, women's empowerment movement was attractive to me and they mm-hmm. definitely played to that a little bit. Um, obviously within the, the culture of a um, yeah. Catholic I mean, marriage, I think but... the one strength that NFP will always have is that it's like not hormonal. Um, but yeah, the, the havoc it can wreak, like wreak on a marriage when it's not working the way that it's supposed to is. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you, you blame yourself because your instructors are telling you, oh, well, it's, it's easy. It's just, you just do A, B and C, and then you should see this happen. And you do that. And then you come back a few weeks later and they're like, well, I know like they cross question you, at least in Creighton. Creighton has a culture and the, the instructors and they're, I I don't want to, my Creighton instructors were, were both really nice people. And the second one was actually married to my NAPRO physician. Um, really nice people, but they were following a very mm-hmm. particular system of instruction. And it was, it was kind of offensive because it always made me feel like it was my fault that, you know, maybe I wasn't doing the observations correctly or charting correctly, or maybe I was skipping days and not charting and then trying to guess what had happened. And that wasn't actually the case. Um, yeah no I think it's going to be <laughs> so. so much more like real with people about what this actually is and it's like this is like the approved method of the church that doesn't mean that it's going to be great and wonderful and beautiful all the time right it just means that this might be right. someone's cross you know because there's you know hundreds and thousands of women who suffer with infertility out there and that's like such a horrible cross and burden to bear for them. But then there's also like hundreds of thousands of women out there who are Catholic <laughs> who can't take a birth control pill and are having, I mean, quite frankly, are just having babies that they didn't necessarily at that time want to have. And yeah. I think for the church to shy away from that fact doesn't help them you know they just want to kind of gleam over it like it doesn't it's like oh well you know she and the the studies are are good like they're the efficacy studies for all the method the major methods anyway are like they've got very high success rates but there's always the yeah the perfect use rate the and typical. the typical yeah. rate success rate and and you have to look at that typical use rate and say okay why is that typical why, why is it, why is it that people have a hard time attaining that, or at least don't always attain that perfect use rate and, and exactly. work that into your expectations? Yeah. And I mean, I think a lot of things come into play. I think that um, having a husband who's on board with it is like crucial. And I, and I'm, it's sad that oh, yeah. I think a lot of times it's like more of the women who are like, well, we have to do this. And the husband's just kind of like, well, all right. <laughs> like... Okay, fine. <laughs> right. Right? And, like, they'll look at you. <laughs> and the husband is maybe fresh, you know, putting, even if, I'm not saying, like, the level of, like, marital rape, but even just, like, the pressure of, like, I know we're not supposed to, but. And so, I mean, at least I've experienced that in my own marriage. Like, my husband has, I would say, a much higher sex drive than I do and it's like even though he knows we're in phase two it's like you still get that pressure like oh can we just it's like no we can't just because 
<laughs> right. Does he for like so so in our case, my husband actually wants more kids less than I do, which is kind of because I still don't want more kids right now. And so that kind of balances that issue out a little bit for us. Is that for your experience, is that like is saying, well, honey, we're going to have another baby if we do it tonight. I mean, I think it all, that... Or is that a motivator, at least for him to, to, um, I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure how, how to articulate, to at least back off on that yeah, pressure I mean, or. I think that he, like in the moment, he still just is like 16 year old, like as far as hormone drugs. <laughs> so it's like in the right. moment, he doesn't really care, but then like, sure. you know, he thinks about it later. Yeah. Right. Two days yeah, later, just, he'll care. Yeah. Like, I, become, <laughs> I just like shut down during phase two. Like people talk about like oh you can play board games and cuddle and all this stuff it's like no we just basically have as little contact yeah. with each other as humanly possible <laughs> because right. that's really the only way and he'll be like oh yep. you're like being so mean to me and stuff I'm like I'm just like no if I'm like even kind of nice to you you're gonna take that as me like hitting on you so <laughs> I just have right. to be like a cold stone biatch the whole <laughs> yeah you just have to keep your bitch face <laughs> on and then but like as much I mean as much as I rag on it it's just I have come to I think like for the first while after Edith was born I was like so mad at God and like I would go into the confessional and just be like listen here I'm pissed <laughs> like oh. he I was like this is so hard for us like this is so bad for our marriage and like I don't understand why he's asking us to do this and but I think I've finally come to this place where I'm like I've just like accepted it like there's other people that have like other crosses that they have to bear and this is mine and it sucks and I but I just have to like do it right (laughs) I just have I mean it's just how life is and then like after your first however many cycles postpartum where you like aren't pregnant, it start you get like more confident in it, I think. Yeah, yeah. you start to and relax I mean, there a might little come bit. A day where like I do get pregnant again and then I'll be like, okay, well, I messed up again, but as for now I'm feeling like, hey, I did this now for like a year and a half almost and like I'm not I'm still not pregnant, so like I'm I'm doing it like I can do it (laughs) right whereas the past six years it was yeah that was for me that was the go ahead sorry oh I I thought it (laughs) cut out for a second and then I thought I'd interrupt you but um I after we had Keelan um we switched to Marquette because I was like I'm not doing Creighton anymore this is crazy and, and that was exactly what happened is that we, I got really confident because it was so mm-hmm. much easier than Creighton. Oh my goodness. Cre- Creighton was, was nuts for me. It was just this complete like mind game all the time. And, um, and Marquette is so much easier in it. And I still stand by that the failure with it. It's, it's much easier than it ever was um, with Creighton, but but yeah, you get, you know, 15 cycles in and you're like, oh, this is no problem. Yeah. And then, you know, then you're <laughs> I was going to ask you, Siobhan, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask Sorry. you, do you, do you catch your peak in ovulation, ovulation then when you're doing Marquette since you had such a hard time with Creighton? Okay. I okay. do. Yeah. So there, I don't have any reason. cycle problems. 
<laughs> I, don't, I yeah I don't um yeah whatever now I I have because Creighton was a mucus method and Marquette is the hormone monitoring um I have done the Creighton observations on and off mm-hmm. like here and there cycles just to see out of curiosity benefit um if I can figure out what was going using Creighton mm-hmm. and I have very inconsistent like my cervical mucus patterns do not yeah, match so my crazy. ovulation peak day with hormone monitoring. It's, it's off. Like there's usually something there, but it's not consistent enough that you could map it according to Creighton's rules. And, but apparently that's, it's good enough that I've had few kids. <laughs> so, you know, I'm like, well, I guess there's really <laughs> nothing wrong with me. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just going to let that so one go. <laughs> and it's nice to, not have to shoot yourself oh up with you know two weeks out of every cycle that's that's really nice um so uh so yeah i i i do catch um i, I think switching switching methods was a huge boon to us because i do actually catch my yeah. ovulation every cycle um and i think what happened with um my second pregnancy is that i have um, I thought it was stress related, uh, when it happened because we were moving. Um, but I, as I'm charting pregnancy, um, I have very long, uh, peak windows and I can catch three days of peak tests on the ovulation monitor or the LH. Do you use Wanfos? And that's from what I can, I do. Yeah. And from what I've been reading, that's fairly unusual. Um, so I think, the Marquette protocol window, you have, you know, you get your peak day and then you have five days or so um, that you have to wait until your fertile window is over. And I really need yeah. another day or so on mine um, because I have an unusually long um, peak window. So that's good to know. And now I know that and hopefully yeah, I just add a few days a on the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've just been adding, I actually find that the, the LH tests because the ovulation mod, the clear blue easy, um, come to autopilot when you get your first peak. And so you just, with Marquette, just count five days out from that. But with the LH strips, Mm -hmm. I can keep testing, um, and see how long that peak window lasts. And then I just wait until I've gotten three negative tests and then I count my fertile windows. Okay. We lost her again. Oh, but I mean, I think she was kind of wrapping up and I was going to say like where Siobhan has the issue with like um, her, the end of her cycle, I have the same issue with the beginning of mine or the beginning of my ovulation is like, for whatever reason, my husband's sperm lives a very long time. (laughs) (laughs) And then I just, um, I like my cervical mucus gets um, sort of peak looking like very early and so we have to give ourselves like a good eight to ten day window before ovulation so we have to be like extra careful there oh boy so do you ever use like phase one then or well we do only because I have long cycles so my cycles are like anywhere from 30 to 35 days usually okay and so we can usually use days one through eight and still I won't ovulate until like day 18 or whatever you know but yeah I mean like I said with Edith like we had sex and then six days later 
I ovulated and then that I had, I mean, I got pregnant with Edith. So, um, we've just been like really, really careful about giving ourselves enough days beforehand, like whatever my earliest peak was, you know, it has to be at least, I, I mean, for me to feel really safe, I like it to be like 10 days out. From. Yeah. <laughs> I know it only has to be like eight, but I like to do at least 10 because it makes me feel safer. Yeah. I don't know if you just want to start Lauren and then sh- if Siobhan just wants to jump in. Okay. Um, so my actual like first learning about NFP was when I was in PA school. Um, and <laughs> I didn't learn about it in like, uh, here's how you do it. I learned about it in like, uh, this is the way to not use birth control effectively. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like without, yeah. without like the textbooks and the professors basically saying, you're crazy if you do this, it came across as like, you're crazy if you do this. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's no way that this will work. I, I distinctly remember it being kind of lumped into like where the pullout method is not effective, <laughs> you know? And so that yeah. was the first time I had ever heard about NFP. So then when people would talk about, you know, people that I knew that were Catholic, particularly the girl who ended up being my sponsor, for example, first time I ever heard her talk about NFP, I was like, you're crazy you're crazy. You're for mm-hmm. sure going to have like 900 babies. Like, <laughs> cause that's possible in a lifetime. <laughs> I'm pretty yeah. sure you can have 900. You better be careful. Um, and so when I went through RCIA more recently, and so actually prior to that, so like right before I started RCIA to get confirmed, I, uh, my husband and I had decided that we wanted to start trying to have a family. And so I had come off of birth control. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, I used several different types of like oral contraceptive pills. I'd also used the NuvaRing at one point. Um, And there was a period of time where we were using condoms. Like it just, you know, we've tried lots of different things, but um, I had come off birth control very briefly And then I want to say like our second month of trying got pregnant, but then I ended up going through a really terrible, awful miscarriage, which would be kind of, I'm sorry. It's okay. It's fine now in the moment, Mm -hmm. not, but, um, that would be a, probably another great, uh, podcast topic Topic, kind of talking about that kind of stuff. Cause I think we've all sort of experienced, um, in different ways, losses like that. And it was Mm -hmm. awful. And I don't think that it was a coincidence that, that, I found out that I was pregnant with that baby the, let's like four days after the first RCIA session. So I don't think it's a coincidence that like, yeah, that was when I came back to the church. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So anywho, go ahead. Sorry. And I was just going to say like, maybe it was helpful at the time to have like your faith back at least a little bit, you know, in that moment. Yeah, absolutely. Cause it was, it was like a, all when all was said and done, it was like all, over two months long. Awful. Oh my gosh. Um, so the first time that I then heard about NFP again from not a like, this is ridiculous, don't even think about using this as a method, was <laughs> yeah. in our CIA, you know. So, um, 
okay, I'm very curious what this is. I had no idea that there were different techniques. I had no idea that they used very scientific ways to measure and track your cycles. And you're essentially tracking, you know, depending on what your what method you're using, but you know, it sounds like the three of us are all using Marquette, you know, you're tracking mm-hmm. the hormone levels that I learned about in PA school that were what told me that a woman can or cannot ovulate. You know what I mean? Like the levels that you yeah. would go to your provider to have drawn to say, Am I having issues? Like am I ovulating? Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't it be effective? You know, and so it was the exactly. first time that I had the like, wait a minute, but why wouldn't this work? And it's funny because the priest that I went through RCIA with, who is just wonderful, reminds me a lot of the priest that you had in high school, who yes. was is like very. It's he's so like. I don't want to say traditional because I feel like that has almost not as good of a meaning yeah, behind like it as what I want. Yeah, like yeah, he's like everything that I felt very um, comforting and reassuring about Catholicism in general. The the mm-hmm. pieces of it that made it feel like home. He he is that personified, and he's, oh he's a young guy. You know, like yeah. Um, I think I was actually like the first RCIA class that he had had since he had been ordained, you know? And so I'm learning Mm -hmm. about NFP from him in a very scientific way, in a very real world way. You know, he had Mm -hmm. also lived and worked prior to going to seminary. And so, you know, hearing him knowing full well what today's society is like for a young woman, a young couple, et cetera, talking about NFP as being this thing that could actually be good for a marriage, which, you know, I, I know that there are bad parts too, but yeah, but there is, I agree. There's like good fruits that come from practicing it for sure. Yes. Yes. And like learning about it and thinking, okay, like I'm going to do this. Like we're, we're going to do this. And God bless my husband. He is so like, whatever you want, like, he is so just like game Laid for whatever. Back. Yes, you know, <laughs> and he he's just I don't want to say that he's just like an agreeable guy cuz he definitely has his own opinions about lots of things. <laughs> <laughs> but he just when I think when he um recognizes that something's important to me, he's like, "Okay, I got you. Like, whatever you want to mm-hmm. do, you know." And so this was definitely one of those things where it was like, "Okay, whatever you want. Like if yeah. this is, you know, I'll I will I will keep it in my pants when I need to keep it in my pants. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, He's and like very I should, in that. Yeah. And I shouldn't be so hard. Like now my husband, we literally give like the NFP talk at like the same weekend that we went to and I like felt so moved by that couple. Aww. Now we give that NFP talk. And he's so good. Like he always like tells the men like, hey guys, like this is like nine times out of ten, if you're gonna mess up at NFP, it's probably because you're pressuring her. So like you know, be better than that. Yes. And so I should give him a little credit where credit's due. He is like on board. It's just, I think it is probably like the primary struggle for him, like in our marriage, but it's not like he doesn't want, it's like, he doesn't want to be that way. You know, it's just yeah. like, we're all, we all have our issues. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and I definitely think, I mean, we're very new to NFP because we mm-hmm. just, um, we just had our first baby um, uh, 13 months ago. And so prior to that, we were just 
trying to get pregnant, you know? Yeah. And so it was just sort of like, okay. And really, I mean, the way that we were sort of trying was I was using the clear blue, not the fertility monitor, but the, um, the ovulation prediction kit, Oh, you know? So, I mean, it was essentially Mm -hmm. tracking very similar things. I don't know whether that one looks just for LH or whether it also looks for estrogen rise too, but I think it's just LH. Okay. I think it's just LH, but the the new monitor and Marquette method, I'm still technically in cycle zero. Like I haven't had a cycle yet, so who knows? Um, But I am still Mm -hmm. breastfeeding. So I think that's part of it. So it'll be interesting. I like you know, to, to kind of go with where Siobhan was, you know, feels like he was kind of that empowering, like feminist thing. I'm like super pumped <laughs> to figure out what my <laughs> cycles are actually like, you know, I mean, no, yeah, that's a basically from age 17 until we started trying to have kids. Like oh, wow. I have no idea what <laughs> my cycles are like. And that's crazy to me. Like, how can you mm-hmm. know yourself better than, than, you know what I mean? So I'm just, I'm kind of excited no, that, about it. <laughs> that is very impact. Like I go into a doctor's office and they are like asking me all these questions. Like, when was your last period? I have the exact date for them. I'm like, this is the day I ovulated. I always have cervical mucus for this long. Like, and she's just like looking at me like, how do you know this crazy lady? Like yes. what is going on? So that part is, I think, very empowering. Also like ex- when like someone will say something kind of very off for like they're like this is how you know this is how pregnancy works and you're like actually your cycle works this way and you yeah. like explain it to this person who thinks they know what they're talking about and they just kind of look at you like how do you know what you're doing it's like nfp man that's yeah. how i know what i'm doing <laughs> like so, i think someone tried to tell me that like women couldn't get pregnant on their periods or something Mm -mm. they're like that's a fact I'm like no it's not a fact (laughs) (laughs) nope so how did you and your husband get into like helping other couples well right away when we got back into the church um and can I just say like the story of your priest like was very moving because like this priest um I don't know if I should say his name but he just like he was my teacher in high school. He's the priest I went to when I got pregnant and was in trouble and didn't know what to do. I went to him. And then he's the priest that I went to when my marriage was in trouble and I didn't know what to do. And I went to him and he's just like, just like, thank God for like these good priests because like we, we started this, you know, talking about all the bad priests out there. And, but we sometimes forget that like, there's like really, really good priests out there too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we just wanted to like do something for the church. We like thought that we needed to be involved and we couldn't really do like, you know, being Eucharistic ministers or being readers on Sunday because we have a bunch of kids (laughs) and it's like, we, one of us can't be like away from the group because then it's chaos, even though I do take him by myself sometimes because he works on Sundays sometimes. So, mm-hmm. but I mean, that's awful <laughs> having to take them yeah. off by myself. I don't know how you do um, it. <laughs> like, oh, it's just, it's just chaos. Um, I have like this story of, I literally one time Charlotte decided she was going to, you know, those limp moments where they just go like completely limp. <laughs> yep. <laughs> she decided to do that like on the way up to communion. So oh. I have a baby in one arm and I'm dragging this 
two-year-old up the aisle as she's screaming (laughs) with my other and I'm literally just dragging her like by the hand and she's like limp on the floor and everybody's staring at me it was so funny oh yeah and I'm just like I was like laugh because I either like I'm gonna cry or I'm gonna laugh so I just start laughing so that I wouldn't start crying (laughs) it was horrible those are the Um, stories that you like tuck away in the back of your mind for like when they're growing up and you're like yeah you know what like oh someday I will remind you of this (laughs) yeah but we just um we're like okay well you know these marriage weekends like it's two full days which is like a lot but it's only like twice a year so we do those and we just either my parents babysit or we get a babysitter and the diocese um reimburses us for babysitting which is nice um and it's I love it because it's almost like a little retreat for me and my husband because like we get to spend all day like there's the talk and then we do like small group discussions um, with the couples. But outside of that, we kind of just get to spend all day just like sitting together and like listening to the different talks. And it's like two days where you kind of like reignite your marriage all over because it's like you're going to this like sort of romantic, you know. Yeah it's still based around the church and like they have to go over more like manual stuff. Like these are the readings you can have and stuff, but yeah. um, I like, I really enjoy it. And I'm glad that we kind of chose that as like our thing. And then we didn't start doing the NFP talk. Um, The principal at the school I work at actually like runs the couples weekends. And she was like, I know that you and Travis are like, you know, pretty avid NFP users. So she's like, could you just do the talk? Because the other couple that does it, they moved. And <laughs> I was like, we used to just do like the small table group discussions. Um, and then, yeah, that's the first time it was, we've done it three times now. I think the talk. That's so, so cool. It was meant to be. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it was like this evolvement from where we started with um, sitting there and watching a couple do that and being like so moved by it to now like we're those people, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. And I think it's so weird that like, you know, you're on the side of NFP right now where like you're using it for like achieving pregnancy mm-hmm. and Because, like, I feel like that gets lost sometimes in the discussion among Catholics anyways about NFP is, like, we just need to prevent, prevent, prevent. (laughs) But it's, like, also people use it, like, because, like, like you said, you're breastfeeding. Like, you don't know if you're, like, ovulating right now and stuff. Yeah, no idea. So, (laughs) yeah. And so you can use it, you know, for that, too. It's not just about prevention. Well, and I, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure I know exactly the day that we conceived you like I'm pretty sure (laughs) so um yeah I mean I would probably have to go back in my calendar and and look because it's you know been a long time now since then and I wasn't (laughs) technically tracking you know I wasn't recording anything Mm -hmm. or tracking anything but I I am pretty confident that I know when it was because I was measuring the levels but um yeah but now it's more just like, okay, when is it potentially going to happen so that I'm not caught at work without something, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. because it's been so long. Like I kind of forgot what it's like. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And I'm not really looking forward to it. So if I could just keep breastfeeding forever, that would be amazing. <laughs> but then I would only have one child. So it's sort of like, ah, darn. Yeah. No, I, I'm i not like big breast on breastfeeding. Like I do a lot of formula feeding. But with my – for whatever reason, with my fourth, with Charlotte, I breastfed for almost a year. I think it's just because I was like exclusively staying at home. And so then yeah. I didn't have to pump. And I hate pumping. I think that's why yes. I like gave up all the other times. I was like, I'm just not going to pump. So this isn't going to work. For me. It is or so Charlotte, exhausting. Oh my gosh. I can't imagine. She just, she's always home. She was always home with me. So it was like, she could just be at the breast all the time. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I remember that being off of a period for like that long of a time. I was like, this is fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, if it wasn't for all of the stuff that goes along with pumping, like cleaning all the parts and whatnot, it would be fine. Yeah. Because pumping itself is not that bad. It's just everything else that goes along with it, like all of the stuff, so mm-hmm. much stuff. And I'm too yeah. lazy for that. I'm <laughs> Same. Like, I'm just going to let it get, like, crusty and gross, <laughs> and so that's not safe for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think if um, if we hadn't had the issues with dairy um, – I don't know how long oh, yeah. the whole breastfeeding thing would have gone, but it's been really worth it. So, um, so yeah, anywho, who knows what the future will hold? Yeah. I think like in the end, it's just like NFP is, I think this wonderful gift that the church gives us, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be easy all the time or fun all the time. And it's probably for a lot of people out there, their cross that they have to bear. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that the church has, like, wisdom in doing that for – I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I know that through that week and a half to two weeks that, you know, my husband and I have to abstain, like, that does help me see him in a different light. I, like, have such respect for him after that two weeks that he would be that sacrificial for me and stuff. So I think that there is definitely wisdom in it as well. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's about it for um, Lauren, Siobhan, and I. Um, Thank you for listening to the podcast. And please uh, hit subscribe and listen to us next time. Bye. Bye.